This is Pastor Chris Simak from the Potter's House Eastside. This sermon was recorded on Sunday night, the 25th of April, 2021. The title of the sermon is simply Holiness. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1? 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start from verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 1. This is a sermon uh, that I had half written back in January. uh, And I never finished it. I didn't feel God uh, that it was the right time uh, to preach it and different things. And I have no idea. Uh, Well, I do now. But I wasn't expecting to preach this. Uh, today, uh, but I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Pursuit of Holiness. The Pursuit of Holiness. On February the 3rd, 1970, there was a college in America called Ashbury College. Uh, students and faculty members, they had gathered together. They had a chapel service, which is sort of like a church service with all of the students and all of the teachers and the faculty at 10 a.m. every single Wednesday. But this Wednesday on February the 3rd, 1970, was very different. The preacher got up uh, to begin uh, preaching and they decided, you know what? I'm not going to preach that sermon. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give my testimony of what Jesus has done in my life. As they started to give their testimony, there were about 1,500 young people in the house. Can you say a bit? Hallelujah. 1,500 young people. That's 1,500. The house was packed. Uh, And this guy starts to give his testimony and then starts to challenge them about their own holiness. Now, what I didn't tell you about Ashbury College is Ashbury College was a Bible college. Those 1,500 students were supposedly all already Christians, training to be in the ministry. And here this man starts to give his testimony, challenges them about holiness, and something happened. What was meant to be a 50-minute service, a one-hour service, ended up going for 185 hours non-stop, 24 hours a day, for multiple weeks, the service continued. People filled the altars, they came down, and these, like I said, these were people training to go into the ministry. And they were filling the altars, and there was a revival, they called it the Ashbury Revival During that time, people that were saved in that revival eventually uh, went out from there. They spread all over the U.S. They spread all over the world. And today we have remnants of that and representation of that all over the world from this one place, this one building. And the key to that whole story was that they got a revelation of holiness. They got a revelation of holiness. Now, we've been refreshed over the last numbers of uh, days. Hallelujah. Uh, I mentioned this morning that we had uh, a revival back in February with Pastor Scott McGrath. Then a couple months later now in April with Pastor Dan Stephan. We had a great time. 
And it's been, like I said this morning, it was like a refilling. Uh, it was like the tank was running on, on, on fumes and then we got a bit more and then we got a little bit more and now we're ready to go. Uh, but I, when I was praying through, God, what do you want me to preach on Sunday night just after a long week of revival? And God showed me this half done message that I'd already written. As I'm praying through it, I thought, God, holiness, holiness, like we've been through a whole week. We're, we're pretty holy, right? <laughs> holiness. And very, very clearly, I felt God speak to me about this and say, you know what? Yes, we've been cleaned, but the danger of going up to the mountaintop, the danger of being in revival, the danger of having all these services and being cleansed and saying, God, I'm closer to you now. The danger is that when we go back into normal lives, we just fall back into our normal routines. We fall back into our normal things. And now you feel clean, but we get it all dirty again. So let's look closely at the pursuit of holiness. First Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 14. Peter is writing and he says here, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance when you didn't know. He's writing here to the church and he's saying, Listen, I want you to obey as obedient children. We're not reading the whole thing, uh, but you could read that in your own time. I don't want you to go back to the former lusts, to the things that you used to do, but I want you to conform yourselves to obedience to God. Look at verse 15. He says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Man, let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that we could be in your house here. Lord God, I ask you right now that you would help me, Lord God, anoint me with the ability to preach by God. God, that you would speak through me, Lord God. It would not be my words or my thoughts, but God, that by your Holy Spirit, you'd speak directly to your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look firstly at a holy God. A holy God. I remember when I first came to church, I had no idea what a holy God was. Right? I had no idea. I wasn't brought up in church. I had no church background. Uh, I didn't know when they started singing songs about holiness. I'd never even heard that word before. I thought holy was what you called someone when they were just trying to be good. Like, oh, they're just trying to be all holy, right? I, I, didn't, I had no idea what a holy God was. But the Bible says that God is holy, God is perfect, and God is good. And it's difficult for us as humans to fully understand that. Because when we think of something good, we think of our mum. <laughs> or, or, or the best example of something good. Uh, we think of like this, this person that's just helped all of these people. And all. But then the Bible also says that, by the way, it doesn't matter how good they get, they're still sinners. <laughs> so it's difficult for us because we think God and Jesus uh, is whole, holy. He's holy, but it's difficult for us to understand exactly what that means. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, Isaiah says, Holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And tonight I want to focus. uh, Yes, we're going uh, to get to our pursuit of holiness. But to understand what God means uh, when he tells us uh, uh, be holy in all of your conduct. We have to understand what holiness means. We have to understand a perfect God. A God that does not make mistakes. A God that does not uh, get things wrong. A God that isn't flawed like we're flawed. I know you all think that your pastor never makes mistakes. I mean, you can say amen. I know, I know. Right? I know. Not enough of you said amen there. I'm a bit disappointed. All right. I know you think that. All right? Deep down. Maybe deep down. But I'm flawed just like the next human being. But God, He has no blemish. He's not flawed. There is nothing in Him that is evil. There is nothing in Him that is selfish. There is nothing in Him that is wrong. Very, very difficult for us to get a picture of what that looks like. Here uh, in the uh, image there that I have on the screen, I forgot what that was called. But the image there that I have on the screen is a picture of the burning bush because we know that in Exodus, when God calls Moses, he calls Moses and he says, come close. And he speaks to him through a burning bush. And as Moses comes close, God commands him to take his sandals off because he's walking on holy ground. And that is just a glimpse an image of the respect and the idea that we should have of a holy, holy God that we take our shoes off before we even walk into His presence. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to take your shoes off before you come to church. Hallelujah. Some of you keep your shoes on and that'll be a great thing. Amen. Uh, But in verse 15, it's confusing because we can sort of understand when we say, God is holy. We have this picture of like extreme good. But then he throws it all off when he says in verse 15, but he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, now you've lost me. Because I could get an idea of an extremely good, extremely perfect, holy God. But how in the world am I going to be holy? How in the world is God telling me, be holy as I am holy? Be holy in all your conduct. We have these weird ideas about holiness. Most of them are religious and very, very strange. Uh, some of you are thinking, oh, is that why we take our shoes off when we go to pastor's house? Of course, it's sacred ground. It's sacred ground. Uh, is that why uh, we're not allowed on the stage? Uh, no, it's just because I don't want people to break things. That's, that's all. That's all. Uh, when we say grace and we have a pizza night and you all pull out the pizza and uh, you're all hungry, waiting But you will wait until the pastor's there so the pastor can say grace. Why? Because we have this weird idea that if the pastor prays over the pizza, that it's more holy. Right? Father God, let me tell you that there's nothing that's going to save that pizza. 
right? It's still going to have as many carbs as it has in that pizza. There's nothing good about that pizza. We are, Esther and I, last Christmas, we went to this event. It was like a Christmas carols. And in the Christmas carols, it was a very fancy, old, traditional church. Nice, you know, stained glass windows, the whole thing. And there the minister gets up in his dress and, uh, and he's, he's there in his whole thing. And then he comes up to the front, they're taking the offering. And they're taking the offering, all the baskets are going through. And then he stands there, I swear, for like two minutes doing this. Is it awkward yet? Yeah, it was awkward. It was awkward. He's standing there like this, and then they bring the baskets to him with all the money and put it at his feet. And he's like, just fake trying to be holy fluff. Uh, None of that is what God is talking to us about here in the Bible. God expects us to be holy. And let me tell you, let me let you off the hook here tonight. To be holy, it doesn't mean that you have to do this to, to your food before you eat it. It doesn't mean that you have to do this before your boss pays you. All right. Uh, to be holy, uh, Brown says that holiness is, does not consist of mystic speculations and emotions, but rather it consists of thinking as God thinks and willing as God wills. Charles Colson said, holiness is the everyday business of the Christian life. Amen. Totally different from this. From awkward, holy things. You know, when we, have a, uh, when we have a wedding, I remember when we had the wedding in the old building and, uh, and it wasn't very big. And I'm telling Anna, I'm like, you know, Anna, don't walk too fast, right? If you walk too fast, we're only going to get like 10 seconds of the song and then, and then it's going to be over. So then she's walking like... <laughs> right? And it was nice because it's a wedding and everyone's looking at Anna and everyone's like, oh, this is so beautiful and all of this. Uh, imagine if I walked into church that way every time. Like, all rise as the pastor comes in. <laughs> and somehow that would be holy if I just float down the aisle or something. Uh, again, that is not what we're talking about here. Talking with Pastor Dan earlier this year in January, uh, we were talking about the new year and different challenges that we were setting for each other. And he came across this quote, which I hated him for. And this quote said this from another pastor. It said, my church's greatest need is my personal holiness as a pastor. My church's need is more for me to be teachable than to be teaching at conferences. I hate that guy. Because my personal need as a pastor is that I would be holier, closer to God, that I would be teachable more than I could just teach everywhere and speak in big places. 
Now I've been working towards this, but before you point the finger, I ask you, how's your holiness? If we were to do a holiness health check, a spiritual swab, right? Pull up to the COVID-19 holiness health check uh, thing, we'll do a swab and we'll see where you're at. What would your result be? Hallelujah. Let's look secondly then at a holy growth. A holy God, a holy growth. When we have a mental picture of things that are holy, we think of strange things. We think of like a monk in a monastery. As a matter of fact, it reminded me of a story. Uh, There's another guy uh, that I work with. uh, And uh, he's Egyptian. Uh, He's a very spiritual guy. Very spiritual guy. Uh, And... uh, yeah, anyway, but he has a, he has a young a son. His, his son is about 21 years old. And his son has just gone through university. He's extremely smart. He's all of this. And he came to me because he knows that I'm a pastor. And he said to me, Chris, what do I do? My son, he wants to leave his career and he wants to go to the monastery to be a monk. You're, a, you're like a religious guy. Like, what do you think? <laughs> you're asking the wrong man. I asked the wrong man. I said, you don't want my honest opinion. My honest opinion, I didn't say this to him. I was very gentle to him. And I, you know, my honest opinion is what a waste of time. What a waste of time. What, you're going to go and be more spiritual because you're going to sit on a mountain somewhere, chant something, shave your head, eat some food and do... What a waste of time. Because I grow in holiness as I put what God has told me into action in my everyday life. And for every single one of us, God wants us to be holy. And the Bible says, where in all your conduct, God wants us to be holy in the way that we behave, in our conduct, in the way that we think. Being holy doesn't mean separating yourself from society and sitting on a mountain somewhere, as nice as that would be. Being holy does not mean going and doing these things over there. It means living out a holy life here, in your family, (laughs) in your home, in your workplace. People at your workplace, hallelujah, should know who you are and what you stand for. Can you say amen, Karen? People should know. Not be the secret one everywhere. Oh, didn't realize how holy you were. <laughs> According to the word of God, all Christians are to be holy. Because when I ask you who, who should be holy, uh, again, we have strange ideas, right? The pastor. The pastor, he should be more holy, right? So when the pastor prays, uh, that's like another level for the pastor. Uh, When the pastor fasts for different, that's another level. And listen, there's an element to that in a certain degree. But let me tell you right now, there is nothing that I do that you can't do. Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Pastor Wayman Mitchell, founder of our fellowship, his one line that everyone repeated over and over and over and over again, he said, there's nothing that I do that you can't do. There's nothing that I do that you can't do. 
In Leviticus, the, our verse says, Be holy, for I am holy, which refers to, he says, it is written. And when it says it is written, you've got to ask yourself, where is it written? And if you go back into the Old Testament, it is written in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. And God says to Aaron, he says, For I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. I want to ask you, who did God bring up out of Egypt? Was it only the leaders? Was it only the pastor? No, God brought up the whole nation because God said from the bottom to the top and everywhere in between, I want you to be holy. So now you ask yourself the question, when will I be holy? I don't really feel that holy. Hallelujah. Uh, Let me tell you, it's a process. It's a process. It's a lifelong pursuit. Uh, My beautiful daughter, Anya, she uh, struggles to keep her room clean. Uh, It must be a girl thing. Uh, because the boys, uh, is it a girl thing? I won't even go there. Uh, but um, it must be a girl thing. Uh, but she struggles to keep her room clean. And the other day, she had a revelation. She had a revelation. Uh, she was cleaning her room and she it just clicked. And she said to me, Papi, I am going to clean a little bit every day after I get home from school. I can't say that she stuck to that conviction very well, uh, but she did have the revelation because she said, if I clean it a little bit every day, then it won't get so messy. (laughs) Right. And that is the revelation that being holy is progressive, progressive. Thank God that God takes us in however we come in. Thank God that God takes us in uh, right in the bottom. Uh, We could be as much. I mean, maybe you came in up here. I did not come in up here. I came in down here uh, with all of my mess, all of my addictions and everything else. And God accepted me. He put his Holy Spirit in me and he said, now you're holy. And I'm, I'm you're kidding me. Right. But God, it's progressive. The danger and, 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 and the tragedy is when Christians, they've been around for a while and they're still here. They're still here and they're saying, well, at least I'm better than that guy. You should be better than that guy. Everything that God has put into you, everything that God has taught you, uh, you should be progressing and growing in your faith. Thank God for the altar. Again, I have another sermon uh, next Sunday that I'm going to preach on the altar and why we come and sit down the front uh, at the end of the service. Uh, but thank God for the altar. It goes back to the Old Testament. That in the Old Testament, that they would hear from God. Something would be pricked in their hearts and they say, you know what, God, I need to make a memorial here. And they would build an altar. Now, in 2021, we don't build our altars out of stone, but that's why we have a space here where after the service, if God has spoken to you at all, thank God that you come down to the front here and say, you know what, God, I'm doing business with you. I'm doing business. It's progressive. You ask, how can I be holy? I'm glad you asked. Because in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 10, 
God is telling Aaron how to set up the temple. And he says that you must distinguish between what is holy and what is unholy. What is clean and what is unclean. You see, God was not worried about drawing lines. As a matter of fact, God said, I want you to draw lines. I want you to say yes and no. I want you to say clean and unclean. I want you to judge yourself and say what things in my life are holy and unholy, clean and unclean. Let me help you out here tonight and let's look at three things very, very quickly. Three areas for us to be holy in and then we're going to pray. Number one is in your emotions. In your emotions. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil. Do you know that if you do not deal with your emotions properly, as in, and listen, listen, I was born in South America. We are a hot-blooded, passionate people, right? Uh, that is no excuse. Some people, I remember when, when I got saved in my pastor's church, in Pastor Walsh's church, he is the opposite of me. Some would say, no, I would not say that. I am hot-blooded and he is not hot-blooded. Uh, <laughs> neutral, neutral. Thank you, my wife. Definitely what I'm not saying is cold-blooded for the recording, uh, but neutral, but neutral. Help me, Jesus, get out of this hole. Okay, so my pastor, neutral, which was great because it neutralized my extreme passion and my extreme emotion. Because when I got saved, everything went to 100. If, you, if I got angry, I went to 100. If, if, if I had a temptation, it went to 100. Everything went to 100. And everything was a struggle because of my emotions. But what the Bible tells me is that every single time, if I did not deal with it properly, I give place or opportunity to the devil. I give an opportunity, I open a door in every single argument. I open a door because I didn't know how to deal with it. And I said, here you go, have your way in my life. So here I am, I come to church, I sing some songs about holiness, I learn some things and I say, I come to the altar and I say, you know what God, I'm going to do these things. And then I get up from the altar, I get in my car and in the car park, it's all gone. Because in my car, somebody cut me off and already the emotions are up here. Uh, and I've just, every little bit of holiness that I just gained, I threw out the window because I couldn't deal with my emotions. Secondly, you must learn to be holy in your mind. This is very tricky. And this is progressive. Remember that. Because the Bible says that we are born with sin as our nature. When we are born again, hallelujah, uh, we are born physically with a sinful nature. The Bible says when we are born again through salvation, then Jesus, then his Holy Spirit, then those things begin to change in our minds. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, Jesus calls out the Pharisees. These are the people, the church people that thought they were so holy at the time. And they, he said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman with lust for her 
has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And what Jesus is calling them out is for their thoughts. He's calling them out. He's saying, yeah, you look all holy on the outside because you're not acting on it. But listen, you've already acted on it uh, 20 times over in your head. And we have to be able to renew our minds. And now you're saying to me, how do I do that? Hallelujah. I'm glad you asked. Because transforming your mind is a process. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul's writing to the Roman church. Remember, the Romans, they're sitting there. uh, They're there in a Roman city. I don't have to tell you uh, about what the Romans used to do. The sick things that they used to be involved in. And here are Christians trying to live in Rome. He's writing to them. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, offer your bodies in verse 1 as a living sacrifice that is holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. He's saying every day, he says, I want you, God, I am yours. God, uh, would you help me? God, I'm going to start the day uh, not with uh, looking at YouTube, not with looking at social media, not with uh, looking at my new TikTok or whatever else. Uh, Oh, but there's Christian stuff on TikTok, Pastor. That's not what you're looking at. Uh, Not on that stuff. Uh, But that you would start your day in prayer. Start your day with the Word of God. Trust me, it works. God would begin to transform and renew your mind. And finally, we need to be holy in our appetites. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 3. Again, Peter, in his first letter, he's still telling the church, he says, For we have spent enough time doing the will of the Gentiles, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. But I say, we've wasted enough time doing that stuff. He says, now that you're out of that stuff, he says, I want you to live for God. Do what God does. Do what I've done. Because what you put in comes out. How many know that when you're trying to lose weight, uh, if you're just eating Maccas all the time, you're never going to lose weight. Can you say amen? But if you have herbal life, I mean, that's like a, a, a magic fix. And if you need some herbal life, get that with anyways. Because what goes in matters. And if all you're doing is consuming consuming the wrong thing all the time. You're consuming this. I wonder how much your holy appetite is compared to your carnal appetite. But pastor, I get home, I'm tired from work. Tired from work. I just want to sit down and I deserve... You are tired. You do deserve some time. High five to you. All I'm saying to you is just watch what you're watching. Watch what you're consuming, what you're listening to. Because it's when we're tired, when our guard is down, that's when the worst things pop up. Can you build an appetite for the things of God? Can you build an appetite 
uh, for some prayer, some Bible reading, some Christian books, some music. Listen, some fellowship. If you're bored and all that's on the TV is something disgusting, turn it off. Give my wife a call. Give me a call. Come over and say, I'm bringing some pizza. Hallelujah. Let's do it. I'll even pray over the pizza and make a hole. All right. It's frustrating just going around in circles. It's frustrating when we're there and we tell the kids before dinner, all right, clear the table. And there's some mess and some crumbs on the table. And I'll be going around, I'm sweeping the floor. And I've got the floor all clean. And I'm thinking, we're ready to go. And then Mia will get up there. And her version of cleaning is she puts her arm on the table and does this. So that all the mess that was on the table is now on the floor again. It's frustrating. It's frustrating when we come to church, we get things right. And then we go home and we do this. frustrating so let's look finally at Philippians 4 8 we'll finish with this Paul's writing to Philippian church and he says finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely of good report if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things he's saying Spend time on these things. This is not up on a mountain in a temple meditating. This is meditate, spend some time on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. The God of peace will be with you. Two things here. Paul is saying to the Philippian church, listen, you want things to be different in your mind? You want things to change? He says, any of these things, whatever is good, noble, pure, true, trustworthy, just, what any of these things, I want you to get an appetite for these things. And listen, when you're even done with that and you're still confused, you know what? Just do what I do. Paul says to the Philippian church, just look at me as an example and do what I do. Thank God that we have men and women that are good examples. Thank God that you have a pastor. It is not the same everywhere, let me tell you. Because when I put my hand up and I say, I'll be your pastor, what I'm saying is I'm giving you the opportunity to watch, examine, follow, pick apart. Hallelujah. Follow me as I follow Christ. And in the same way, Paul is saying these things. Listen, when you get confused, do these things. When all is said and done, just do what I do. Just do what I do. If you've seen me do it, then do that. And that way, we are building and growing in holiness. A number of weeks ago, we went to this concert down in Rewa. And, uh, and Ikani went, got up and he gave his testimony. What, what a boss. He's up there. He's the biggest man I've ever seen. Probably except for Joe. Uh, the biggest man I've ever seen. And uh, he's up there giving his testimony. All that God has done in his life. And he's saying, and there might be guys out here. He's doing his look that he does. There might be guys out here. And you think you're bad. I'm like, oh, 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 just calm down, dude. <laughs> He's like, and you probably are, you know. 
And then he says, and I thought I was bad. And if you know his testimony, he's in and out of jail, he's this and that, a blah, blah, whole thing. And he says, but I found that life is much better when I've been trying to be good. Amen. That's so simple, but there's a revelation. So simple, but a revelation. And you know what? There's, there's truth in this. God says, be holy as I am holy. He does not use that as a stick to say, you're not holy. You're not holy. You're not holy. He says, you know what? Uh, you want the best things in life. You want the best of God. You want that a deeper relationship with me. You know what? Take me up on the pursuit of holiness. Let's bow our heads here tonight and let's pray.